News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. And at ADP, we're here to help guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of what each new day may bring. Learn more at ADP.com. Welcome to Pursuing Justice. It's good to have you with us. We have been doing a series of podcasts on a particular case of wrongful conviction, the case of Derek Williams. And we met Derek and he shared his story of his wrongful conviction with our listeners. We've also met his niece who gave us her perspective of what it was like for the family for uh, someone they all love to be sent away for 18 years. Our guest today is Anthony Scott. And Anthony is a uh, clinical social worker on staff with the Innocence Project of Florida. He joined the project in 2006 to direct social services uh, at the the Innocence Project. Um, He now has a little different title, uh, Transition Services. He'll, He'll explain that to us. And he is experienced working with prisoners and ex-offenders, having provided psychotherapy at House of Hope and Broward Broward County Outreach Center. He's a founding member of the National Exoneree Support Committee, training Innocence Project workers throughout the United States. So, Anthony, welcome to the program today. It's good to have you. Oh, Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So um, now you've been on staff at the Innocence Project of Florida for quite a number of years. Um, what tell us what the nature of your work is, and why uh, do why do you think an Innocence Project would need a full time social worker on their staff? Well, the need is full time uh, to provide assistance for people who've been wrongfully arrested, sentenced, and wrongfully incarcerated. So, you know, the the population that we serve has historically been underserved, and uh, the administrators here at the Innocence Project of Florida recognized you know, early on the need for someone uh, in my position, someone with my background and training. Um, you know, I... I believe that, um, you know, a person who has social work training is, is well equipped to do, uh, or provide this kind of assistance for, for men and women who are, who are dealing with the wrongful incarceration and, and wanting to transition forward. And why, why do you think, um, the executive director at the Innocence Project of Florida felt that a full-time social worker was so important. And in, in answering that question, maybe you can tell us some very specific things that um, define the job that you do. Well, uh, it, it's. I think it, the first to the first question, the executive director, I, I believe, recognized that you know to really do this right you've got to provide a holistic uh, provision of services that really address all the needs of people who've come through the wrongful incarceration experience. Um, did I answer the question for you, uh, 
on that well, one, Harriet? Somewhat, but I, I, I guess what maybe people would want to know is um, how, how do you meet the needs of these people? And then maybe it would explain why a job like yours is so very vital. Um, well, I mean, as I'll, I'll give it another go, I, I'll see if I can answer it in the way that, uh, would, would be best. Um, I mean, it's, my understanding is that, you know, it's as human beings, you know, we've got, you know, our, our biological needs, you know, our, our psychological needs you know, our emotional needs, social needs, you know, and just in terms of functioning in society, um, in terms of employment and, and on and on and on. And when, when people have been, um, have gone through such a traumatic experience and, and experiences such as wrongful incarceration, um, I think the best suited, uh, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all of my training as a social worker, you know, I don't think I could do the job that I do here for the clients that we serve had I not been trained to practice social work because social workers have an amazing, um, uh, you know, training and exposure and, and, and have acquired um, a vast array of skills and being able to identify, you know, holistically, you know, the needs of, of a person, uh, whether, you know, regardless of their age, you know, gender and so on, and, and address those needs in a way that is more client, is really client-centered. And we're also trained to, you know, collaborate with with everyone at the table no matter who they are um so you know i think you know i have never asked the executive directors you know who've you know directed the innocence project of florida you know why did you pick a social worker you know why didn't you pick you know uh, someone from a different you know, um, domain, a different profession, you know, uh, you might've, you know, chosen, um, a psychologist, you might've chosen, you know, and so on. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really don't, I can't speak for them, but I, I working with the post-conviction lawyers here and working with Seth Miller, our executive director here, um, I know that they have enough of an understanding of what I do to really value what I do. And I think, one of the reasons for that is because I'm able to really work with clients um, and addressing holistically, you know, whatever needs, whatever, uh, whatever they're presenting with. So I'm uniquely, I mean, not just, I'm, I'm not talking about myself personally, but just, you know, clinical social workers. And I think social workers doing generalist practice, you know, who have been on the clinical track or, you know, have done internships where, you know, they're, they're, they're meeting with clients face to face and they, they're doing case management, they're doing clinical work uh, in terms of social work practice. You know, you know, we, we've, we're, we're in a position where, you know, we're able to really see it 
um, in a way that I don't think you could see it without that training. I, you, it's like you're really, it's like I had a professor say to me one time, you know, um, this kind of training will change your life. It'll change how you see things. It will change how you, you may, you know, your worldview. And, and, and it really did for me. I, I didn't know how that would happen, but, um, and I don't mean to get off track there talking about that. I apologize, but okay. um, please, please continue asking whatever you need to ask of me. So I don't, I don't take your time with, okay. with continuing to talk about that. All right. Well, I think what would help people to understand is um, the actual job that you do, if you could be very, very specific. And let's take Derek Williams, given that we have already had him as a guest on the program. Um, how, how do you help someone like him who has experienced this terrible miscarriage of justice? And do you see him in prison before he comes home? Do you see him after he comes home? And how how do you help someone like Derek? So maybe if you're more well, I mean, specific. Those, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're. I think um, let's maybe maybe it would be better if I just could take one question at a time. Sure. Because um, I'm hearing a lot of different questions. Okay. It, do me a favor and just give me one question, and I'll and, All I'll, right. and I'll do that. All right. So Thanks. let's let's um, let's take Derek since we we know his case. Um, how when you when you're assigned a client for the first time, um, what what happens? Do you go to see that client right away? Sure. So so the way it works is it. it you know, it depends on when I'm authorized to get involved in a case. So in, for example, in Derek's case, I was authorized to work with Derek, um, uh, a significant amount of time prior to his, re his, his release, um, when the convictions were vacated. So I, I had the privilege and opportunity to work with him for, for quite a while. Um, so then that meant, you know, me going to wherever he was, he was, um, in a correctional institution at the time, you know, some, sometimes I'll get a heads up on when to meet with a client and I might only have, um, uh, you know, days, I mean, not even a week sometimes before I can meet with a client, which really, I, I think it's not the ideal way to do it. Um, but you know, we don't have the power to, you know, um, uh, we don't, you know, we don't have the power to, to, you, you know, in terms of, you know, how the state is going to rule on something or how the judge is going to rule on something or, or when we're going to be, you know, um, in on, um, a release. So, uh, but ideally it's, you know, me going into the, into whatever, um, locate wherever the, the client is located and, and we're, we're statewide. So that, that could be anywhere in the state of Florida. Right. Anywhere. And what what do you what are you offering when you go to see someone like this? Um, is it mainly just letting the person know that you're there for them or what? What what's the visit like when when you visit someone like Derek before and, he comes home? Well, those are more than that's more than one question it, okay. it, there's a there's there's a general question which i can give a general answer and then there's okay. 
That's good. A question directed specifically to Derek. So generally, I, I if you if you want, I can answer it generally, and then I can answer more specific to Derek if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So so generally, um, what it would look like would be, um, and I, I'm going to. It's going to have to be simplified, my answer, otherwise we'd simply sure. run out of time on one question. Um, but I think in a nutshell, uh, I can just say, you know, what happens is, you know, I I allow at least a couple of hours for a legal visitation and I'll do, um, you know, meeting the, the client, introducing myself. Uh, to the client and, you know, making sure that the client is comfortable uh, with the meeting with me. I'll explain my role, you know, what the client can expect from me, what I expect from the client. Um, I may, you know, begin to do some assessing. Uh, I have, you know, a, I have, you know, like a 14 to 17 page questionnaire that I, I typically um, will will refer to at this point I can almost do it with I can do it without bringing it with me because I've done it so much but the you know the a lot of um, a lot of what what it, what it may look like really depends on who I'm meeting with you know as you can imagine so sure. a, cl a client may not be uh, it may not be in the client's best it may not be in the person's best interest for me to be asking them questions in that moment. I may want to direct questions, but what's in their best interest in that moment may be helping them manage a crisis that they're experiencing right. in that moment. So I have to shift gears and I've, you know, and that's, that, that's part of being, I think a good social worker, you've got to be really flexible in being client centered and address the client in the way that the, the, the client is presenting. So if a client is not in a crisis uh, mode at that moment, um, I had a, I had a legal call today and, you know, the client was in crisis mode and, you know, it could have gone the other way where we could have been talking about completely different things. But when I go face to face, um, you know, it, it's me wanting to give the client a, a strong sense of, um, you know, caring, uh, giving a, um, you know, uh, the giving the respect and and to the client and making sure that the client gets a sense that I understand where they're coming from with what they need help with. Um, sometimes I'll have to spend more time with the client and just reassuring them that, you know, I'm not there to, you know, represent the court and doing a, uh, a diagnosis, uh, you know, um, or another client. That's not the case. I go, they get it from the very you know, first five minutes. They understand that's not why I'm there. And it, it goes in a different direction. Um, so, uh, I, you know, like I said before, you know, I do the intro introduction, you know, set the expectations, you know, talk about the limits of confidentiality, uh, you know, without, uh, you know, getting too much into what I do in, in the details, I don't want to get bogged down into that too much, but, 
um, the the target there, the goal for me is to um, identify what the needs of the client are. That's really why I'm there. What does the client need? Typically, they need me- help with medical. They need help with something's going on you know, with dental. They could be in pain. They could have been in pain for months or days without getting um, what they needed, or they could have been experiencing, you know, all kinds of problems, um, massive headaches or depression or, you know, anxiety about, you know, you know, the, the litigation, what's happening with the litigation, what about the, uh, the, the anticipation of what might be happening. Sometimes a client might just, for the first time, you know, I met with a client not too long ago where, he really needed to speak about his case. And I had to remind him repeatedly, I'm a non-legal person. You know, I, I don't really want to get into the specifics of the case. And so we didn't do that, but he needed to express to me um, for quite a while uh, for, you know, um, on some visits, you know, what his history was. And sometimes clients um, need to know that the person listening really believes in their innocence. Um, And of course, my role is not to determine innocence or guilt. So it's, it's that my, my target there is to, you know, assess the needs um, in a client centered way and answer all the questions that the client may have and do whatever, whatever, you know, I can do to provide assistance to the client. Um, and that, that could also, Harriet, that could also mean that I am, um, you know, ordering some books that are educational. Um, that might mean me assisting them cognitively with uh, any distortion that may have been causing suffering um, that may involve helping them uh, think about ways of of approaching problems that they may be dealing with while incarcerated. Um, I mean, in terms of where the environment that they're living in, dealing with other inmates or officers, um, um, or family members, or um, or or you know things of the past that they need to talk about. Um, someone may have died that. Um, it was abrupt and, you know, they may need to, um, you know, address those, you know, that type of an issue in terms of bereavement because, you know, prison being incarcerated, you know, where can a person find the feeling of safety and, and, um, confidentiality with a person that they can trust and be able to process their thoughts and feelings around issues that are highly personal, private, and even sacred to them that have an emotional connection. So, um, you know, it's a lot of shifting gears. I can go from what I do as case management on, you know, I may be doing, I may be putting on my hat of being a case manager and dealing with helping the client meet concrete needs that they may have, you know, helping them, um, get into classes or helping them figure out how to get transferred or how to avoid having a problem. And then on the other hand, you know, it could be 30 minutes later, you know, I'm putting on my hat as a psychotherapist or, you know, clinical social worker um, or, you know, and then along with that comes, you know, being an advocate um, sometimes, you know, I had to call um, 
the central office today, Department of Corrections, on behalf of a client advocating. And, you know, as long as I've been doing this job, I, I'm always learning something new. Um, always. Oh, this is a, it's an incredible job. But um, I hope that gives you a sense uh, of what yes, it, it kind of looks like. Yeah. I think what you're what you're saying in a nutshell is you have to build a bridge of trust to um, the uh, the person that's sitting in front of you, and uh, you do that by listening. You do that by caring about them, and you just went through a long list of all the things that might be on the mind of a person sitting in prison, especially a person who shouldn't be there to begin with. So uh, your job has many, many facets to it. Um, and that's, that's the challenge. Now, um, because the Innocence Project covers the entire state of Florida, how much of your job entails traveling into all parts of the state? A uh, significant part. I'm, I'm balancing my time and energy between traveling and being here at the office. I, I see. I have just as much work to do here at the office as I do, you know, traveling and meeting with clients. I, I never seem to have enough time to go and visit clients. Um, there are over 30 cases now, although I'm I not see. authorized to meet with all of them. But, uh, but so I do to be more fine in my answer, a little more finite um, and specific, I, my, my goal is to um, do at least two trips per month. So that, you know, t yeah, it, it typically, I mean, there, I might do a week and it's 1200 miles or, you know, six or nine clients. And then, or it could be, you know, I travel twice a month, and it could be more than that, seeing an equal number of clients. It just depends on where just they're depends. located and what's going on yeah. and what they need help with. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure you stay in touch by telephone, right, uh, if you need to. Yes, I, I communicate either telephonically, you know, face-to-face -face or through legal mail. Legal mail. So yeah. we, we have just a little time left, and I wonder if you could just maybe – Tell us some highlights of success stories of some of your clients without, of course, mentioning any names, um, having seen them behind bars and then they are out and free. Um, what what uh, stays with you about that success, which you certainly have contributed to by by being there for them? Any uh, well, stories? Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Very kind. Very <laughs> generous comment. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's a complete privilege for me to do what I do, and and I'm I have it's so rewarding. Um, the some of the success I I'd like to say real quick before I get into actual you know those kind of success stories. You know, I have to say honestly, I mean, all of these men and women who are doing the wrongful incarceration, who have done the wrongful incarceration experience, you know, it's. It, they are success stories just in the fact that they have survived this experience and they have come out, you know, from this, you know, very harrowing, um, you know, even tr very traumatic uh, experience, you know, come out from this experience and, you know, beat the odds and even, you know, thriving now after 
this this long experience, you know, and, and they've moved forward as, as very caring, loving people. Um, and, you know, so, I, and, you know, after doing what I've been doing for so many years, I, I've really, I come away with this amazing appreciation for um, these these men and women who are innocent, who have had to endure this whole experience and, and watch their loved ones also suffer from their wrongful incarceration. And, and, um, you know, um, but moving, moving forward more to your question, it's, you know, we have clients who have, you know, uh, gone through professional training and have, you know, successfully, um, you know, gotten their CDL to be professional truck drivers. And uh, we have one particular gentleman. He he's been doing very well uh, as a professional truck driver. He they he and his wife just had a baby um, in December this past December. You know, they're happy. He's you know he's a He's a very, um, you know, just a um, a well-rounded, tax-paying, you know, man who um, is a responsible, trustworthy person, and just like anyone else that you'd want to have as a neighbor or a friend. And you know, we and and for another example, a fine example is Derek, uh, Derek yes, Williams. I mean, he absolutely. Is, he, I mean, he is, you know, a model for so many people uh, who've, you know, come out of this experience. You know, he, again, he's a you know, very caring, loving, trustworthy, um, hardworking, responsible, tax-paying individual. Um, and and we have many, many men and women, you know, that, you know, demonstrate, you know this kind of a lifestyle and we have men and women currently incarcerated, you know, in the state of Florida right now who have succeeded in, you know, getting into positions where they're serving other people and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're amazing people. And, you know, they, um, you know, when they, if, hopefully when they are you know released they are going to continue and doing amazing things um you know and we've, we've got all, all all sorts of folks uh you know uh mr mckee uh dean mckee mm-hmm. you know just opened up a story doing uh he's an artist um very talented artist and before he could open his store he was working full-time working a very hard job physically and not making much money, but, you know, he just, just like the rest of us, you know, he did what he had to do and, you know, he came through it and now he's, you know, he's fulfilling, he's pursuing his dream. That's right. Tax paying, hardworking individual in the community that, um, you know, we have other individuals who are working, uh, you know, um, many, many people that are working, contributing their time, doing volunteer work, um, just, just beautiful, caring people. 
Well, we yeah. we are almost just about out of time. What what I what I think is remarkable, and I'm sure you do too, is the lack of bitterness after an experience like this. And that's uh, I think where you probably also come in is to help them. Uh, let that go if it's still there and move forward uh, and, you know, begin again, so to yeah. speak. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you for your insights. And you are such a critical part of the healing process at the Innocence Project of Florida. And we thank you for being there for everyone who needs you. So thank you for being there for us today and speaking to us about your very important job at the project. So thank you, Anthony, for joining me today. And uh, we will uh, hope that uh, listeners have gained some insights into what you do. So thank you again. Oh. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. And that's it for Pursuing Justice today. Uh, I would hope that people write to me and tell me your thoughts and comments about what we are sharing on, on the air at uh, write to me at pursuing.justice5 at email, uh, gmail, sorry, dot com. And uh, thank you all for spending time with us today and hope to have you join us next time.